Everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, jo- uh, 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 and Brandon. <laughs> and boys, today we are going to recap this past Saturday's UFC Fight Night: Home versus Bueno Silva. And man, uh, just when you thought it was going to be a quiet, uneventful fight night, look out! <laughs> Lots to discuss with these fights. We're also going to get you set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC London, which is main evented by the returning Tommy Aspinall. Tommy Aspinall. Aspinall. Yeah, I'll keep going. He's making his return against Marcin Tybura. And finally, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts, including Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou, Jamal Hill relinquishing his lightweight title. We'll talk about what we think maybe they should do next for that title. All that and more, but first, boys, how we doing? Episode 142 of the Neon Belly Podcast. Um, And let me say off top, some days more than others, I'm excited to talk mixed martial arts. And this is definitely one of those days because I just love it when... Everyone is riding off a UFC fight night, and then it delivers like three, four viral <laughs> moments that just sends internet into a blaze. Yeah. And that's what we saw last night. I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped, and I actually think there's quite a few interesting storylines coming out of this fight night. Yes, yeah, so we started inching toward that 10 o'clock part where you're seeing these prelims fight. Like, these are some pretty good fights. You know, this main card, I don't know, man. And then by the time you get to, like, midnight or so, it's just like, okay, all right, you guys got me. It's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, I actually forgot Terrence McKinney was even on this card. Really? Like, and then, yeah, and then that fight rolled around, like the oh. first fight of the main card. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, we got T Rex on here. And then kind of get me a little more amped for the fights and the, like for the main card, I should say. And then as it went on, obviously, mm-hmm. went down the way it did. So it was definitely not lacking the entertainment. No, it wasn't. Like I said, I just, there's just, some, even like us, we're sitting here last griping last week. Oh, 10 p.m. Still start not time. hype about 10 p.m. Me either. Didn't get to <laughs> Seven bed. would have been great. Yeah, I didn't get to bed till well after one in the morning. Yeah. Um, because, unfortunately, when you're doing a podcast the next morning and you got church and everything else in the morning, you have to get it done that night, mm-hmm. which doesn't leave a lot of time no. in the morning. And then we roll into it here on a Sunday afternoon. And that's why, more than ever, we need you guys. Rate, sub, follow, John. Let the people know how they can make this time worth it for yeah, us. Yeah, man. We could just really use the help, man. We you know, we put a lot of time into this. So just to get it to more people would be really helpful for us. So if you have social media, Neon Belly Podcast, that's Instagram, that's uh, TikTok, we're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. Um, I was on there last night on Twitter. Got a little bit of interaction from some people. That's Neon Belly Pod on Twitter. Um, but if you have, if you're listening to this now, then you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. On there, there should be an option to possibly give us a, to, to subscribe to us for sure, to give us five stars, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It help us out a ton. So just continue to get involved with us. We have an, another kickback coming up. So continue to get involved with us, man, so we can keep putting more into this and just get more info out to people. Absolutely. And with that, boys, we got to get right into it in our main event this past Saturday. Myra Bueno Silva defeats Holly Holm via second round standing ninja choke. Uh, what a performance by Myra here. You know, aside from the obvious finish, I also thought she was just landing the bigger shots in this fight. Um, Holly, you know, kind of what we expected, right? More of the volume, more technical, but man. 
when Myra hits, it lands big. Mm -hmm. Um, Every time she touched Holly, it seemed to have some sort of an effect. Um, And then obviously with the finish, uh, I mean, there may be no other lady in this with this kind of ability in this division. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think she is a real threat to every 135 pound woman on this roster. Yeah, so the first round, I would say, went exactly how I kind of expected. I wasn't expecting the big shots, I should say, from Silva, but I did expect what we saw from Holly, where she was really pushing her yeah. up against the fence, using that in-and-out style and kind of tagging her here and there. Um, but I just, what, what can you say about that second-round choke? Though? I, it's kind of one of those things, like, I, I was trying to figure out how much of that you think she actually pr- planned for that with how much yeah. Holly uses the cage to, you know, press up against versus how much she just kind of felt like, oh, that seems like it might work, and just kind of threw it up because – I just did not see that coming whatsoever throughout the course of this fight. So, Yeah, I thought, too, the one thing is, like, we mentioned the wrestling of home, but I didn't think it would be the thing that led to her downfall either. So that was kind (laughs) of the end. Just kind of, like, had that little lapse where she just kind of, I don't know, just just kind of what's the word you're looking for just a lapse in judgment right just kind of mm-hmm. forgot where she was at maybe positionally with the head there yeah, and you and can't that, do it against a girl you like, don't see that choke specifically a lot you see a lot of front headlocks you yeah. see a lot of guillotines but that the ninja choke yeah that yeah. ninja choke yeah. it, it's just kind of tough i think for a lot of people to get their arms yeah. in the right position so i you know you probably just don't think about it too much while right. you're down there like the last person i can remember to hit it was arnold allen mm, in like yeah. one of his earlier fights and yeah. it's just so yeah yeah yeah, I think it's, you know, we learn this in jujitsu. Sometimes you forget how some guys' arms are so long. Mm-hmm. and you, you know, you get in a position that you never had to defend a choke from there, and the next thing you know, an arm's wrapped around, and you're like, oh, crap, how did this happen? Yeah. I think that's what it was is uh, you don't think that, all right, well, as the arm's coming up, well, you know, there, she's not going to be able to lock this in, and then you just feel all that pressure, yeah. and there's no there's no way out of that. Like, you can't um, – you could just see the disappointment that she oh. knew, like, I'm just so stuck that – I have to get out of this. Her head was probably going to pop off. Like, it, that was tight. Yeah, it's funny, you know, when you've been in chokes that are that tight and then you see the way other people react, like, you just know what they're feeling in mm-hmm. that moment because she tried so hard, man. Mm-hmm. And, like, you just know that, like, when somebody starts getting those, like, panicky twitches, that's kind of what I call equate them to. They're almost mm-hmm. like little twitches. That's when it hurts. <laughs> or yeah. That's when you're, like, you're, you're not breathing. And you can tell she was twitching for a minute. Like, she was trying and just... There, I mean, like I said, somebody like Myra Bueno Silva, you just can't, you can't do mm-hmm. that. You just can't. I mean, that we said it last week. That was going to be, I don't want to say a hail mary for her was to find the finish, but like that was her way to win this mm-hmm. fight. And it was via sub. Like I'm pretty yes. sure we said that. Yes, a hundred percent. And I think with home, I think she tried to do a good job of crowding those big shots so she could get to the cage, start working that wrestling. Yeah, but. Um, among trying to crowd those, she was eating big stuff. And I think that kept her a little bit pensive. And then even like her striking, like you said, it's just a volume kind cool. of, you know, and we've seen her she land hard. big stuff. I'm talking about Holly oh, Holm. Oh, okay. And we've seen Holm land big stuff on people, but a lot of the times it's, you know, built up combos yeah. that eventually open something up. And she was just never able to fully get comfortable there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, huge, huge uh, situation for Myra here. And now, you know, this division, like, who knows? Do you guys feel like Who's Holly looked slower in this fight than she has been in the past? No, I really mm. didn't. It's tough, though, right? Because we didn't get a lot of, like, a lot of what we got from Holly was pressing her against the cage. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think so in terms of, like, her combos, I thought still looked clean. 
she did land a couple good ones. Um, you know, Bueno Silva was just kind of walking her down again. That's another thing we said she mm-hmm. would probably do. I just thought maybe Hollywood. I was really surprised to not see her go to the head with any kicks. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of where she's kind of made her money there a little bit. Um, and I felt like Bueno Silva was there to be had for that. But I also think Bueno Silva cracked her a couple times. And she was just like, okay, cannot let that happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting, man. Like, you go back, right, and you remember, you know, <clears throat> uh, Amanda. Nunez after the Valentina loss and that's kind of when she started that rise you know a little bit and it's like man I don't know if it's just the recency of her retiring and then seeing another Brazilian woman in Myra Bueno Silva but like I did get some like this could be the early telling mm-hmm. I mean because I think with that finishing ability I mean just think about I'll be honest with you when she locked it up I was typing making notes I was already working on the episode it I literally looked down and looked back up and Holly was in it like yeah. that's how fast that thing came on um, to where you almost didn't even see how she got it in there. So mm-hmm. that, that type of finishing ability in this division is huge. Um, she said she wants the belt, called out Juliana Pena. Um, and we know Pena's a bang on one half of this vacant title picture, right? right. There's no way that Bantamweight title is going to be contested without Juliana Pena in it. Um, we just didn't know who the other one was going to be. I personally just don't see how you now snub Raquel Pennington for Myra. You know, we know Holly had a chance with a win, uh, given her draw, being a former champion. But Raquel Pennington is on a five-fight win streak. Plus, she's beat way more ladies inside the top, top five to ten. I believe this is Myra's first ranked mm-hmm. opponent uh, that she's beat even. Now, granted, it's a big one. I'm not saying that. Let's not undersell it. But this is like a what 40-year-old Holly Holm, you know, right. kind of a mixed bag in terms of performances as of late i'm not i don't want to take anything away from it but when you look at raquel pennington beating the women that she's beat on this five fight run no doubt to me that it has to be raquel pennington versus juliana pena for the title next right i mean i just i don't see why we're still i mean and i'm and real quick let me say because i'm only saying that because when dc and i and i don't want to be critical because they're in the moment and in the heat of the moment you just say stuff but dc when he got out of the cage from interviewing he was like i don't know how you deny her and i'm sitting here like well dc how do you deny raquel pennington like (laughs) you know so but yeah i don't know your guys thoughts no i agree i think that it made sense right if holly were to get the win she gets the shot given the draw and all that i i just think i I get it. Holly was ranked, what, number three or number two? Number three. Number three. So cool. You know, number 10 beat number three. I see that. But I think there was just a little, some more variables to consider, like you say, with Holly's age, kind of her, her past few fights and how she's looked. And I just don't know if I'm ready to jump all in on Sylvie yet. Like, yeah. I, I want to. I, I think a one more fight would, yes. be, would be nice to see yeah. um, before we really solidify that. It was a great performance. It was great to see, but I, I just need a little more. Totally so. agree. Yeah, and I mean, if you have a situation where somebody gets hurt, yeah, she could do a backup she situation. Could, she could very well slide into that spot. Well, Ke- Kellen, <clears throat> excuse me, Kellen Vieira has a fight this mm-hmm. week coming up on, in London. Um, I think like winner of that fight, like give her somebody like that, where it's like you know, with a win, okay, you did that to Holly, you just be this person like now right. we can start talking title but dude just take that away from Raquel Pennington it was already crazy to begin with that right. we were thinking that for Holly Holm but it is Holly Holm well so. and you should I mean if we really look at the you know past like five six fights yeah you should think that Pennington is the one who can't be left right. out over Pennington. That's what I'm Well, yeah, you would think. Well, that's tough, though, because Juliana Pena did beat Amanda Nunes. Right, but she so. just lost recently. Yeah, well, she's to not Amanda. On, right, but she's not on a five-fight win streak going through yeah, all these right. girls. Cause sometimes it's she hard was to on keep. A nice, yeah, but she was on a nice win streak, beats Amanda, loses to Amanda. There's no shame in that. Right. She got injured. She was supposed to rematch. That was her fight to begin with, mm-hmm. um, even though we all kind of question, like, why are they doing this? Right, I guess kind of that's what I was getting but, to is they didn't know if that was. Sure. 
her, but it was her fight to begin with. So they're not going to take it from her. Um, that's very rare that they would do that. But yeah, to me, it's got to me. We have a clear. It has to be Raquel Pennington and Julian Pena, <laughs> regardless of if that's what the UFC wants to do or, or Daniel not. Cormier or Daniel Cormier. <laughs> not sure what's next for Holly though. You know, she wasn't given the mic after the fight, which kind of leads me to believe that we will see her again. Um, I do have an idea for her. Uh, what could be next? We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I do think we'll see her again because it, there was no indication. I haven't seen anything sitting here today um, that she's made any kind of announcements. You know, mm-hmm. I know some people probably thought, you know, yeah. we might hear a retirement after that because no way she gets back to a title. But that's what I'm here for. I, I'm, I should be matchmaker because I got some ideas. <laughs> Let's get to the co-main event, boys. Jack Della Madalena defeats Basil Hives. Ha- am I saying that? Hafez. I can't remember exactly how they said it on the. I thought it was Hafez. God, good, I got good to know I got support on here. Basil Hafez via unanimous decision, um, and boys, uh, so much to discuss here. I mean, wow, don't really know where to start either. Just a fantastic fight. Hafez comes out, does exactly what he should for a guy making his UFC debut on five days' notice against the number fourteen ranked middleweight. Um, Hafez easily wins round one. Round two, very questionable. I feel like that's the round in mm-hmm. question. Um, you know it's damage and control right that's what we're looking at here i think you know the early damage from jack della almost finishing the fight a couple times Mm -hmm. and then the control late for hafez i feel so stupid saying hafez because i cannot remember from my life that's how you pronounce it and then jdm took round three um so i guess we'll kind of start there as the scorecards were being read who did you guys have winning this fight i was leaning hafez like i i just i've only seen the fight one time but to me yes it was predominantly control and we could say damage but i also felt like Hafez was also dishing out quite a bit of damage at one point JDM was cut from what I can remember on his left Mm -hmm. on his left eyebrow and I do feel like Hafez was landing some big shots maybe not as many as JDM was JDM was obviously getting the better on the feet but I also don't want to discount the fact that Hafez was was landing his own shots in a lot of those exchanges as well you just seemed like he was getting moved a little bit more than JDM was and then um, Hafez obviously had his way on the ground so yeah, it was interesting because, you know, obviously, Hold you on. know, we're going to bury this right now. <laughs> he deserves some respect. Let's see. Here's your tail of the tape. Jack Delamadalena, five years younger than the 31-year-old newcomer. Both fighters, five feet, 11 inches tall. Tip the scales at 171. Don't tell me they're not going to say his name. Reach with the biggest betting favorite on the card, oh. Delamadalena. Let's get to Hold on. Hold on. This makes for good content. Out of Denver, Colorado, here is Basil, Basil. the Habibi Hafez. Hafez. Okay, Hafez. We were, I was right. Thank God. I only have to say seventy names an episode, and I'm <laughs> I'm responsible for getting it right every single one yeah, of them. Listen, I watch. Neither them of on, you guys I, can back me up. I here. watch him on mute, man. I don't know what to tell you. <sighs> I watch him in Spanish. Usually, well, I wanted so. to get it right. He deserves yeah, Basil no. Hafez. He deserves the respect here. I could say that. That's why yeah. I want to get it out there. So you know, like we were talking, in, you know, with damage and control. Sure. Of, there's and there's two very extremes of this because. You know, for Hafez, you have a whole a, a whole round more than Jack yeah. with control. Sure. But with Jack, you have a hundred more strikes and a lot of huge, more significant yeah. strikes where he was almost ending the fight. Um, so it's just an idea of like, 
you know, you never know what night where the judges are going to lean. And yeah. it seemed like tonight it was a little bit more toward damage than mm-hmm. it was control. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I'm, I'm okay with the decision. Didn't seem like uh, Jack Della even <laughs> felt like he even was going to win it. Didn't yeah. DC say he was like, because uh, I wasn't really listening either. Um, I had him <laughs> turned down pretty low. But I thought I heard DC say something of Jack said. What? I knew there was a chance because the judges get these wrong all the time. Well, he said something along the lines of, I didn't know because the judges do silly things all the time, something like that. Yeah. So it was kind of <laughs> up. but Yeah. But a lot of pros I've seen reacting to it today had Hafez winning that fight. And it's tough not to say I'm okay with it. I think Mm -hmm. either way you could make a case for either guy given the control to damage. But if you do look at that second round, the guy that was closest to finishing that was Jack Della Maddalena. And I feel like we should always root for that guy to win the Mm -hmm. fight. You know what I mean? In terms of judging? Yeah, because, I mean, Hafez was just, at the the end, it was just kind of like a hit. He was so hurt, right? He was exhausted. He was getting teed up. and he He was getting stuffed a lot, too. Yeah, yeah. And he just level changed and he did get the takedown, so he does deserve credit. But then he was just literally laying on top of Jack Della, mm-hmm. not even hitting him, not moving, just I mean, literally no was just attempts. like limp noodling, laying on top, just trying to hold him down. Um, so I think we should always root for the damage. Um, wouldn't have been mad if they said Basel Hafez, though. Right. I mean, for sure, it would have been warranted. Um, but for Basil Hafez, I mean, wow, like I said, did exactly what he should in a position, this position, um, and what a debut and one that I think is not only going to see him get another crack, obviously in the UFC, but I think it's one that whatever's next for him, I want to see, because that was a performance. You saw guys like Justin Gaethje and I'm trying to think who else, um, said that they've spent Anthony, uh, Smith, I think mm-hmm. they've trained with him and they speak to how good he is i think we saw it here took this fight late notice made the weight um but then for you know jack della madalena i thought he made a lot of mistakes in this fight Mm -hmm. right you know i thought he looked a little flat little dejected of energy um and important to remember he was originally i told you guys remember he was training for a grappler in sean brady so you have to wonder what we may have saw if that fight happened and played Mm -hmm. out as Hafez really um, had his way with Jack in that department for the most part. But I told you guys in our group chat, you know, I can't imagine what these past few weeks were like for yeah. Jack Della Maddalena. You got to remember, as I said, was supposed to fight Sean Brady in the biggest fight of his career a few weeks ago at UFC 290, two weeks ago. Brady falls off fight week. They find a replacement on two days' notice with UFC newcomer uh, Josiah Harrell. So Jack keeps cutting weight, makes mm-hmm. weight that Friday. Then after the weigh-ins, Harrell falls off after failing his pre-fight medical. Jack stays in Vegas another week just to see if the UFC can find him an opponent. They do in Hafez. And then Jack Della Madalena turns around and makes weight again right. one week later. Um, also, remember, this guy travels from the other side of the world, coming mm-hmm. from Australia, so I'm not going to hold this over JDM here. I give him so much credit for traveling as far as he did and being willing to go through all that stuff just in the name of having a fight, right? right. Um, and to do all that and be willing to risk your rank and your record on an unknown guy where the stakes are really high, there's a lot of uh, risk with very, very little reward here. Um, but I just saw a lot of questions kind of being asked about JDM's future and his ceiling, and I would just see seriously caution against all that like consider the context of what we saw last night and the two to three weeks leading up to it that this guy probably had he did say in his post fight um the weight cut the back-to-back weight cuts didn't affect his performance i completely beg to differ on that (laughs) yeah i've never had to cut weight or make weight back-to-back like that but that's not like he he just looked so flat. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean. I don't know if you guys. I mean, we've known either. fighters who've who've had to do something. Damien. I mean, look yeah. at Damien. Damien. 
I didn't. Da- I didn't want to say. <laughs> yeah, our, our boy Damien, man, just had never cut weight. You know, didn't do high school wrestling. Um, he was a bantamweight and decides he was going to take a, a 125 pound fight, and but was nervous about the weight cut. So he decided the Friday before weigh-ins for his first ever bantamweight cut that he would do a test cut down to 125 pounds, made the weight. Um, and then real didn't realize, like, didn't think, I guess, or he just didn't realize. I got to maintain this for another week. Yeah. Like, well, then you got to do it again in a couple days. And, uh, it was, uh, it was bad. Yeah. Um, let alone did we not even, he did end up fighting. He did lose the fight as well. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Looked, didn't look great. Um, but forget, you know, even making it to the fight. We wondered like this dude thought at one point he might end up hospitalized. Right. Uh, it was that bad. So I can't sit here and, he, I mean, he can so, say it didn't affect him. But. Tony Ferguson did it before his Gaethje fight, right? Didn't he make uh, weight, like, before the Gaethje fight? It does sound that was yeah, weird. Yes, mm-hmm. I do remember he something like that. Took a picture that. on the scale, and everyone's like, why would you do that? Mm. And it was, like, the week before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think for Jack here, you get a chance to get, uh, you know, a lesson in definitely working on your, you know, getting up and your yeah. takedown defense, but you also still get the win. You still get to stay where you're at. Yeah. Well, and so, Nate, you said you feel like you made a lot of mistakes. So what do you <clears> feel like the line is between mistakes made just because it's an area where he's not maybe the best versus, mm-hmm. you know, it's more of an impact from the two weight cuts and mm-hmm. the weeks he had? Could And it could be that. That, the, that could have led to the mistakes. But, like, when I say the mistakes, it's like – the Vassal was out. Well, I mean, or uh, yeah, Hafez was out on his feet and he follows him to the ground and like tries to submit him. And it's just like, oh, dude, like if, if you literally just call him back to, I mean, he could barely stand, mm-hmm. you know, he was so exhausted. He was getting rocked and it's like, just call him back to his feet. And instead he tries to flatten him out and land. I mean, it just, it was never, it just wasn't going to happen for him because he was exhausted, you know? Right. And then the guillotines, like the repeated, like uh, Hafez would level change. And it was so easy for him to lock those guillotines up. But what he's doing is just pulling Hafez on top of him and not mm-hmm. finishing the guillotines. And he did that like five or six times. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I feel like after two of them, which his corner then I think going into the third round told him, do not pull guillotine anymore. Right. Because it was just, I mean, you could argue that's really what cost him those rounds, you know, mm-hmm. was he was allowing Hafez to have that top control. Um, and, and the thing is, I don't want to also take away from Hafez because he came in last minute as well. He made weight late as well. Um, so good on him. And I mean, there clearly is a grappling discrepancy there for Jack Della Maddalena, but no. I don't think we start writing this guy off right now because it, no. there's so many other factors. I think just mentally, like you're fighting, you're not fighting. Oh, you're fighting again. Oh, night before the fight. Sorry, you're not fighting, but stick around another week. We'll try to find In you Vegas. a fight. Yeah. I mean, it just, there's so, I mean, to me, he just looked tired. Mm-hmm. Like in the walkout, when he was walking into this, uh, the arena or the apex in the back, every time they showed him, he just looked tired mm-hmm. to me. Like his eyes, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine trying to peek back to back like that either. Hafez like, has a chin, boy. Yeah. Because he ate some big shots oh. that Jack's put a numerous uh, highlight yeah. reel of people out with. No, I'm telling you, I think even sitting here today, that's where I said, you know, high risk, very, very little reward. I would say no reward for Jack Della coming off this fight, unfortunately. And even in a loss, I think Hafez is kind of the hero in all this. G- gets paid. 
Yeah, he yeah, does I mean, get in that. Flew, and I th- flew halfway across the world. So. And I think that's why he stuck around, you know. And if you get the whole, you know, favor for a favor adding, you know, yeah. staying around doing this, sure. he wants to get obviously on the Perth cards or the, the Sydney, Sydney cards. Yeah, so. he said he wants Sean Brady in Sydney in September, uh, but he said he didn't think Brady will fly out there just to fight him. So we'll see. I still love that fight. I'd mm-hmm. still love to see it. I, I love the matchup. I don't think the grappling is going to be as big of an issue, but we will see. I mean, right. that's a great test, um, you know, because there's no excuses there. Especially yeah, if Brady's traveling. the one coming yeah. to you. Yeah. So we'll see. But man, what a fun fight. I loved everything about mm-hmm. that fight. Um, and our next result we're going to get to is Francisco Prado defeat Atman Azaitar via first round TKO. Uh, man, 21 year old, two years old, excuse me, is Francisco Prado. That's nuts. Yeah. Uh, he debuted against Jamie Malarkey back in February as a replacement for Nazrat Hakparas. Um, he did lose, but that was his first professional loss. He has a 100% finish rate, which he extended here to move to 12 and 1. And man, to be 21 years old and already have 13, 13 pro MMA fights is insane. Um, and there's so many like this that we are starting to see and it's this kind of new evolution of the sport and the direction that it's moving I think mm-hmm. um, because these guys are uh, moving so fast nowadays and they're getting younger and guys like him and Michael Morales are right in front of this kind of new wave movement that we're seeing I believe mm-hmm. well what's funny too is you have that but if you look at all the champions all of them are like 31 sure. and up like yeah. between 31 and 34 so I think you're just kind of seeing a soft spot of like the per- like peaks changing uh, as far as like an age range because I mean we've seen some guys be on the younger side and kind of struggle but now like you said we're starting to see yeah. a handful of these guys that are like got it yeah yeah so like with the younger guys too just thinking about the evolution of the sport right we talk about that like how that as the sport evolves you you can't be so one-dimensional so with younger guys mm-hmm. a lot of times it is that they're growing as they come into it yeah. kind of like you're saying and now we're starting to see them really have the full package and maybe a little bit of that just growing into their body still because you think right. at 21 he's still technically got like another five years of, of natural development yeah. to make mm-hmm. and then he's really going to be into his own as far as physically and I don't know that just makes you wonder too as far as the conversation what does that look like when guys train really really young and how does that yeah. affect them as far as you know normal development but anyway well no i actually want to i have that written down right here to ask you guys as as guys here us three who consume mma on a weekly basis right um do you think that we are heading towards an era where if you haven't been training mma from a young age like we're talking 10 years or younger maybe even like a teenager um but do you think that we may see that it's going to start being really hard to compete for guys who are finding the sport later in life um kind of like what we've seen you know what boxing is right mm-hmm. you know that's kind of how boxing is it's not a young man's or an old man's game right um um, because I mean it is, but you have to be doing it from such right. like from the time you can walk almost. Yeah, Wilder's the only guy who's ever just kind of came in, but he but, has an X factor. He has an X factor, but it's not one him the big fights like right. the Tyson. You can't beat the best like that though. Right. Um, because I just think you see guys who are well into their mid to late twenties uh, still competing as amateurs right mm-hmm. now. Like you see that a lot, right? Um, and it, that's totally fine because they need that time to develop. I'm not saying that, but by time they make it and maybe get that shot um, to the bigger organizations they will be facing a guy who is five to ten years younger who you know may have just as many if not more to double professional fights um you know does that kind of make sense mm-hmm. like i just wonder if we're moving towards this era where if you're not getting in this sport as a kid and you know you're 
I mean, there's always going to be exceptions, right? You know, you're a college D1 wrestler. There's, you know, you're an ADCC champion at 21. Former NFL players. Yeah, there's always going to be exceptions. But, you know, I just don't know if we're going to see this kind of like average Joe fighting, you know, finding the sport at 21, 22 years old, Mm -hmm. being able to make it to this level and then compete for world titles. Yeah, I think it's like how every sport has got to this point. You don't get – if you're 20 years old, you're not really looking at getting high draft picked in the NBA. They're looking for the 18-year-old or the guy who just turned 18. Football, if you've been a four-year senior at certain positions, they're not really interested in you because they want the younger guy that they can keep developing and and show up and they'll last longer. So I think there is something to like – unless you have an X factor of being a a professional in another sport or in something adjacent – like wrestling sure. or boxing, it's going to be really hard to keep up with these guys who've been going since they were six, seven years old and they were black belts at, you know, yeah. 14 and golden gloves at 16, stuff like that. Do you guys think that, like, the way people have to train for mixed martial arts makes it unique as far as, like, the longevity of their careers compared to other sports, say, like a football basketball or whatever so like what do you mean by that exactly so like when i think about a mixed martial artist in my mind generally they're probably kind of doing some sort of training year-round related to mixed martial arts whereas and i'm not the most knowledgeable with other sports but my out my understanding is like football and basketball it's seasonal Mm -hmm. so they do bulk of their training like in the middle of the season and then kind of a little bit before and then there's probably a good good chunk of time where they're not really doing much do you feel like mixed martial arts is different in that way where guys are doing a lot more work across the year compared to other sports for sure yeah Yeah. and if that's the case do you think that affects their longevity as far as how long they can do it it might i Mm -hmm. mean but you know that could but and and we might see as this new wave comes in of these these young guys at 21 22 i mean it's not crazy you see a guy like this prado or michael morales that by 26 24 for like a guy like prado they could theoretically be competing for a world uh, title Mm -hmm. but we might just not see guys stick around till they're 40 like a glover Teixeira. yeah like robbie law or or, like he fought for what 20 years right so i don't know i just wonder how much that's going to start to change where guys are only fighting for or we see them for maybe 10 years. I think it years. would have to. I don't think you can have one without the other, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. the sport can get younger on top of guys sticking around, you know, because it's just too physically crazy of a sport. Well, and you have to cover so many disciplines. Yeah. You know, when you're when you're doing even bat, like football, you're on one side of the ball or the other. Yeah. You know, basketball, you know, maybe you're not much of a shooter, but you're a ball handler, so you need to work on shooting. MMA, right. you know, it don't matter what your base is. You have to touch everything and still sharp on your base. Yeah. Like, it's there's so much that goes into that. And, and I'm not saying that to, like, discourage any amateur fighter out there that may be listening that's, like, in their mid to early 20s and they're just still kind of trying to figure it out. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to discourage. Like, we are not fighters. I'm not saying I know what makes a good fighter or what it takes to make right. a good fighter. But I can tell you I watch hundreds of fights a year. I mean, I mean, it's insane. I We watch more than just – I watched three promotions this weekend. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm just saying – from my perspective as somebody that's watched this sport for almost 20 years now and I watch it weekly is you are seeing it's getting younger mm-hmm. and it's not just getting younger it's guys like Daniel Prado who are 21 years old and already have 13 professional mm-hmm. fights and 12 of them are all by finish you know right. you know what I mean and he's only lost one and it was a late notice against a top you know 15 20 lightweight in the UFC mm-hmm. like it's insane um and I'm not saying we're at that point yet. So if you are a person that falls into this category, keep grinding. Like right. I'm not saying because well, we see keep some sh- of these young guys do this run, right. and then they run into somebody. Like they hit that. All right, you're yeah. ready for a top 15, top 20, and they run into yeah. that guy, and it's like, okay, wait a minute. Yeah. He needs a little bit more work. Absolutely. But. Yeah. You just can't argue though that the prospects are just getting younger yeah. and younger and younger. And like I remember since we've started this podcast, saying 
there's probably nobody that will ever beat John Jones, youngest world champion. I can't say that anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. as we sit here today, because we're seeing this wave now, of they are just getting young. I mean, it's crazy. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just something I did want to bring up off the back of that, because to be winning a fight at 21 years old in the UFC like that is just crazy. And the the uh, just on this fight, the weird uh, psych moment that Prado had in his post fight, I don't know if you heard it. Oh, yeah, where he said he was retired. Uh, this is going to be my last fight. At 55. Yeah, well, is he moving up or down? I didn't I'm guessing it's up. Okay, I, mean, I couldn't hear that. Especially young guys don't usually go, oh, I guess they could go down. But I think he would go down. He's not, it doesn't seem like he's 5'10". I mean. Maybe, I don't know. Our next result, boys, John Young Park defeats Albert Durayev via second round rear naked choke. And then uh, cuts a mean rug for good dude, measure. The, yeah. the drunk uncle <laughs> dance by the Iron Turtle, dude. Uh, but, boys, I think it's time to stop sleeping on the Iron Turtle, John Young Park. Um, he ate some big shots and Ooh. weathered an early storm. Uh, Durayev was landing some heat there in round one. Uh, but, honestly, it didn't even look like it was uh, really had much effect. Uh, to be honest, mm-hmm. on uh, Park. Uh, so the middleweight division may have its own version of the Korean zombie here. Um, and then he came out in the second and just put the pace on Durayev that he just couldn't handle. And not just the pace, but he had some beautiful shots and technique behind it as well. That's now four straight wins. And let me ask you guys something, all right? Because I think if I would have asked this before last night, you'd be like, dude, shut up, no. If the UFC wanted to continue this slow build with Bo Nickel, wouldn't a guy like Park make so much sense for his next fight? Yeah. Yeah. Having seen what we just saw last night, I mean, tough as nails. He, I mean, if Bo Nickel goes out and finishes in round one, like, yeah. you, you give him a title shot maybe, you know, because, like, <laughs> this dude is tough, man. Every time he shows it, um, he's on a really nice streak. The names, I think he's only lost to, like, Fluffy Hernandez and... Um, Robocop beat him? He, Robocop. he lost to Robocop, Fluffy, and Shavkat, and yeah, that was I mean, in 2016. On, I mean, How'd Shavkat beat him? Um, he beat him by submission, rear naked choke. Yeah, so, you know, he's he's only losing to, like, bigger top guys, which, sure, that's a bit of a concern, I guess, but... Three subs in a row? He's beating everybody else, and he, he's getting better, clearly. But, yeah, I just thought that when I was watching that last night, I'm like, man... We don't know what they're going to do with Bo. You know, we all said ranked opponent next. I still feel that way, but if they do want to continue the slow build, give mm-hmm. me Bo versus the Iron Turtle. Yeah, him man. or Robocop <laughs> could be definitely options of just Robocop like names. I just think I just think Park here, though, offers so much more in terms of just overall well-rounded game. Mm-hmm. They would really test Bo probably in every aspect of the fight. You know, right. not just Robocop's just crazy athletic and hits like a truck, but, mm-hmm. you know, Park could really maybe give him a, a right. fight everywhere. Yeah, you, you know, you get to the ground there, you're you're not necessarily safe with somebody like him, and there's not a lot of guys in the division who are like that. And the cardio is there. Like, he just, to me, it seemed like he just kind of broke Durayev, so I was really impressed to see that as well. That'd be interesting to see him and Bo. Boys, Norma Dumont defeats Chelsea Chandler via unanimous decision. Embarrassing! <laughs> Uh, if we, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> if we did a funniest uh, in-fight moment of the year, this would be it. Nobody else would even be in the category. Uh, Norma stings Chandler with a hard combo. Uh, not only stuns her, <laughs> but <laughs> I've watched this probably 70 times since last night, but makes her turn around and literally full sprint <laughs> across the cage before she eventually just runs face first into the just turn cage. around. Uh, I mean, we've seen MMA on many levels, uh, including amateurs. I mean, all different types of levels. Never seen anything like this in my life. Um, and unfortunately for uh, Chelsea, that was probably the only memorable thing about her performance against Dumont. Uh, she, Dumont kind of just 
fairly easily breezes past her here. Um, and that is now three straight wins for her. I'm sorry. Just the image. I will just never not remember And well, then that. this dude saying that Abby was like, is that even allowed? Yeah, my, my wife who doesn't watch MMA sitting next to me is like, what is she doing? Is she allowed to do that? Just run away? I just tell you how odd it was to see something. I mean, I've just never seen just like, I mean, she and it was just like, it was almost like she like it was like a video game, and she just like malfunctioned. She just like turned and just head down. Right, like and we've seen people sprint. circle to try to run yeah. away from people. I've it never seen somebody. On this card. Yeah, I've never seen somebody sprint forward straight I, into. I it. wonder if like honestly, I wonder if what happened was she had gotten hit, and if you ever hit like that where you're kind of seeing stars and your bell gets rung, it's yeah. kind of tough to know Maybe. what's going on. Yeah, I, I wonder if she just had just enough awareness to, to know. Okay, I need to get away from yeah. here. fight or flight. Yeah, yeah. And she flew. And, I feel bad for her because I know that's, I mean, it's one thing to lose and now you're just, you're kind of an internet meme now, probably for a while. Mm -hmm. um, but let's get to Dumont. That's now three straight wins for her. All three of those wins, boys, are at featherweight. Um, and this is a bit interesting to me for Dumont because with Amanda being gone, um, you know, we were kind of thinking that the women's featherweight division was going to fold. Dana basically said as much in, uh, after Amanda's retirement. And uh, Norma Dumont cannot make bantamweight. Um, the one time that she attempted it in the UFC, she missed weight. And she's actually missed weight at featherweight before as well. Mm. Um, so she is not a bantamweight. There is no dropping down. Um, so she, if she has a UFC future, it has to be at featherweight. There's no other option for Norma Dumont in this organization. Um, so good for her kind of, you know, in her post-fight to remind the UFC that she is still here and wants challengers. Um, but man, if they dissolve this division, you would have to assume that she's going to go with it. And I just don't think that's what they're going to do. Norma mm -hmm. Dumont, she's kind of got a name, right? She's somebody people like to see fight for, for several reasons. <laughs> um, and I do think um, there is something that they could do here for Norma at 145, and that is to set up a featherweight title fight between her and Holly Holm. Um, I don't think people will care if Holly is coming off of a loss. Mm -hmm. I really don't. She's still a big draw. She's still a big name. You could put it as a main event. I know people were like, oh, great, no more Holly UFC fight night main events. Nobody's going to cry if you put a featherweight, vacant featherweight title as a UFC fight night main event, mm -hmm. um, and you did Holly Holm versus Norma Dumont. It'd be the UFC's last opportunity as well to kind of shoehorn Holly into a title. Um, and then it'd obviously be Holly's last, last chance yeah. at a title. Um, but I think if, if Holly wants to stick around, she's not going to probably get a sniff of it ever again at Bantamweight. Why not go up, even if it's just in a, re a retirement fight setting, face off here against Norma Dumont for a title. One more shot. Why not? I don't know if I see that. I mean, I'm not saying I would be mad at it. Like you said, I'm totally down to see a fight between her and Holly mm -hmm. at 45 for a vacant title. But I just don't know if I see the UFC genuinely wanting to hold an entire division up for, like, yeah. or, or I should, I don't mean hold it up, but I mean like keep it around yeah. for, for Dumont. Prop it up. Yeah. Um, I just don't know if, I, I don't see, like, let's say they do the fight with Holly. It's like, okay, then what? Holly's going to defend it against who? Yeah. Or, you know, or Dumont's going to defend it against two. Like, you know. I think there'll always be women in, at 35 willing to go up because Double I would champ, baby. Is yeah. that enough for a division? Oh, we have people that will keep as coming long as, up. I feel like, yeah, I feel like as long as you can put a title on the line and there's a champion, sure. I mean, because here's the thing, like, I know Misha Tate went the other way. You know, she went tried to go down to 25, but that didn't work. Same thing for her. She's a legend, big name. Probably not going to get another sniff at the Bantamweight title. If you told Misha Tate tomorrow, hey, do you want Norma Dumont at featherweight for the title? Oh, hell yeah. She's going to, you know, mm -hmm. she's going to take that all day long. And I think there is... 
you know, some, you know, I even speculated if Holly won, you know, I was prepared to say Raquel Pennington. Maybe Pennington would go up and fight for, I just think they'll always be Bantamweight women because there's not, it's not like, it's not like she's a Kayla Harrison coming down from 55 or mm-hmm. an, in, in Dumont or a Chris Cyborg who is a true 45, 55-er. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's not like Dumont is like a super overwhelmingly big featherweight. So I do mm-hmm. think... I, she just can't make the weight, you know. It's just it's kind of funny because they do still have her ranked in bantamweight at thirteen. But I mean, her only losses being Macy Chesson and uh, Megan Anderson, ten and two. It's a good record. Yeah, you know she keeps building this up. Maybe they can have a name that you know can in, attract some people sure. in a situation like that. Yeah. So, so don't like it? Not really. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I just it was something I thought because I'm like. I think Norman, I mean, here's the thing. Norman Dumont's not Amanda Nunez, right? Like, you don't keep the division just so Norman Dumont can stay on your roster. But unless, you know, they come to her and they're like, hey, this is what it is, and she's going to have to figure out how to get down to Bantamweight. But if she, if that division goes, I'm guessing she's going to have to go with it. Well, you would think, though, for her sake, she would try to go, you know, everything she can to make 135 because you got to keep fighting to make money. I, mean, I don't think physically. I mean, you could still go to um, uh, the all-women's. Uh, promotion Invicta Invicta you know there still is there's PFL has they're doing you know they have women's featherweights mm-hmm. like I think I think Bellator has a women's featherweight because isn't Cyborg yeah so I mean there is other big promoters like there's still paydays out there for mm-hmm. Norman Dumont it doesn't have to be in the UFC um, and that's why I just don't think she would go through that I mean because honestly you we've heard it statistically they've said it is so much harder for women to cut mm-hmm. weight she just may not be I mean, she can probably she probably does i mean she's a professional fighter she's won right. three fights in a row she's clearly doing something right um just her body maybe just right. can't get down to it so and i don't want to see somebody kill themselves either just mm-hmm. to stick around well and maybe so. they talk to some of the top women at bantamweight and say hey if we keep this open would you be interested or be willing some of you be willing to go up there yeah. and take some of these fights so we can keep it open until maybe some featherweights from a Bellator or PFL or something are willing sure. to come over to the UFC. And boys, the fight that kicked the main card off, Nazim Sadikov defeats Terrence T-Rex McKinney via second round rear naked choke. A uh, fantastic performance by the Black Wolf here. Um, he had to kind of overcome losing the first round as McKinney did a great job holding back mount for most of that round. I thought the back take there uh, from McKinney was super crisp, super, uh, super snappy too. Um, but the fir- uh, the finish in round two is why we are even discussing this fight because we've seen thousands of rear naked chokes, right? Um, but none ever like uh, ever have I seen like that. Um, he kind of used his knee to handcuff McKinney's left arm behind his back as he was belly down um it really left mckinney with no defense there in that choke um and Nas moves to two and oh in the ufc um and to me get this man on that msg card in november come oh, on yeah. he deserves it <laughs> twice let, him, let two, him bring brooklyn out you know yeah i think it's like two fights in the apex plus he was on dana white's contender series which is in the apex let him get his msg card man come mm-hmm. on <laughs> so like the bigger i don't know if it's bigger but one of the pull- takeaways for me was just with mckinney man because what does that make him that makes him one in something in his last it's rough four. it's not good do you feel like that's a butt like are we seeing a bust in mckinney or is this just the star power yeah, he's, of- he's won two of his last five yeah losing it's, two in a row yeah 
or uh, it's, to me with McKinney, I think I, I said it to you guys last night is I just think we're seeing a big hole in the striking defense. It cost him against Drew Dober. It cost him again here tonight. Um, he did switch camps, trained with Kevin Holland, which to me was funny because when I think when we saw that back take, I feel like I've seen that from Kevin Holland a mm-hmm. little bit. So some of that jujitsu prowess maybe did rub off because McKinney's a good wrestler, right? That's mm-hmm. what he comes from. I think Michael Chiesa was his high school wrestling coach or something like that. Um, so he does have a wrestling background. So seeing him throw some jujitsu behind it was cool. Um, he, we know the power he, he can hit, he can crack, um, but it just seems defensively in the striking is where there's some type of a hole for him. I don't know, man. It's interesting. I, I get what you're saying, but it is just two in a row. I think he won four straight before that, didn't he? No, he's he's only won two of his last five. He lost to Drew Dober, beat Gonzalez, lost to Bonefield. Oh, so he, had a, so he had a win between Dober. Yeah. Uh, Do- okay, okay, yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of a mixed bag for him. I think he's I think he's still fun. I, he's definitely going to get another shot. I don't think he goes anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Let's give him one more. You know, probably somebody like a, a, Naz- a Nazim Sadikov that he probably should be competing with or beating and mm-hmm. see what happens, man. But I'm yeah. telling you, dude. I was and like, and sorry, I didn't no, go ahead. Up, I, and that's why I didn't mean to take away from Sadikov. Like I, I was just kind of speculating oh, how, he's, how he's much the of, name. yeah, yeah how, how much of that was what what we saw and Sadikov was just that good versus yeah. how much is McKinney just kind of a bust from what we thought. But. Sure, I think the thing with Nazim Sadikov though is is he's not the name, but he was the favorite coming into this fight. McKinney mm-hmm. was actually the underdog. You know, Sadikov is a guy that you know he he's proven himself, and I, and I think I think the the line reflected that. I think he deserves to be the favorite. Um, so I don't want to. Yeah, we'll see you with McKinney, but. Yeah, he he needs a win now in the worst way. And Sadikov got the revenge for Frivola, the seven-second knockout. Yeah, McKinney knocked Um, out Frivola, his teammate. But if you would have, you know, especially looking at where Frivola's at now, if I was to say this guy knocked him out in seven seconds and had a back-and-forth, you know, fight with Drew Dober, you probably wouldn't see him being on this case he is now. But like you said, with that striking defense, he's just finding himself in a little bit more trouble than his wrestling can get him out of. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking up. We have to talk real quick because we need to move on. But we have to talk about the elbow. Oh. But I need to know the girl's name. It was... The girl who got hurt or the girl who did it? The one that got hurt. Oh, I'm clicking the wrong thing. It Estella was... Nunez. Estella Nunez and Victoria Dudakova. Oh, my gosh. So, Victoria Dudakova goes for that Ooh. weird... I don't even know what that takedown like was. ankle pick, but she rolled it. Oh, dude, that looked bad. But I will say from the x-ray, it looked like it was just dislocated. Mm-hmm. And they were just kind of... I saw the follow-up as they were easily... seemed like they were fairly easily able to put it back in. So, I don't think there was a break there, but... But man, the pain in that. You know, Ash was watching with me during that, and she was just like, like she was like about to cry. She was just like, "Oh my gosh," because <laughs> just the the cream. Oh, that was a that might be one of the worst arm injuries I've seen yeah, in the man. UFC. Just oh, that's like everybody's worst nightmare. Even in jujitsu, right? You're always afraid you're going to base out on that arm and just yep. come right over the top. And then in the post fight, she said, "I didn't know I could break people without touching them." Yikes. It was just like a, Ugh. it's kind of crazy. We don't see it more. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. we see more of those. Yeah, you would. Brandon, update us on our scores. Well, real quick, I think it's because we see shoulders a lot. It seems like mm. shoulders get guys when they kind of base out. Uh, who was it? Dillashaw. Well, he had a pre-existing injury. Yeah, I no, no, okay, no, not Dillashaw. Who was it? Somebody. It was a bigger fight. Um, and they based out, and it was a middleweight fight. I can't remember. It was recently, because we went back and forth about it. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't remember, remember off the top of my head. It was, it was one of John's Lonely Heart Boys. I do remember that, because he got pretty mad about it. At middleweight? I only got one of those. No, maybe it wasn't middleweight then. Um, no change on the points. We all picked home. She obviously <laughs> lost. Embarrassing. So, still 56 for Nate, 46 John, 45 me. Fair enough. 
right. Thanks for filling the air there, boys. Gosh, what are we doing? Can't Listen, get you guys man. to say a name. I can't take a drink. I'm going to need a drink button. Yeah, you need to like hold up a sign or something like I'm about to drink. Yeah. <laughs> this Saturday, boys, UFC London. I cannot wait. John, set us up for our main event. Thanks for covering me while I got my drink, though. Uh, this coming Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live from the O2 in London, England, we have a huge fight in the heavyweight division as number five, Tom Aspinall, returns from almost a year to the day in which he injured his knee in a loss to Curtis Blades. Um Welcoming him back will be none other than surging number 10, Marcin Tibera, who's won seven of his last eight, including two in a row since his decision loss to Alexander Volkov. Aspinall will be having a rocking crowd behind him as he looks to return to the form that saw him win five in a row in the UFC before losing to Blades. Um, a lot of people saw Tom as a serious contender and someone who matches up very well with the top of the division. Uh, meanwhile, Marcin has flew under the radar and consistently found ways to beat almost everyone they've thrown in front of him. This will either be a triumphant return for Aspinall or a state win that could put Tibera into the title picture. All righty, let's get to our picks. Brandon, who are you taking? I like Tom Aspinall here. Um, I just think he's, on paper, he should be better everywhere. I think he's better on the feet. I think he's better with the wrestling. I think he's got better jujitsu. But he's coming off of that big injury with the knee. To me, that's the big question mark. Like, how confident is he going to be on his leg? Is he going to use it? Can he move the same? Because he's got that blitzing style. He's got a great blast double. Can he still use all those tools the same? Is he still the confident Aspinall that we're used to? Um, Tiberia, he's a great fighter. Obviously, you said he last one is seven of his last eight. He's got a pretty decent upper body takedowns that are kind of slick. He can hit, land some good ground and pound. But again, I just think Aspinall is better everywhere. So it, as long as that leg holds up, I'm taking Tom Aspinall here. I think he actually gets it done as well. I'm going to take him by third round TKO. Nice. Yeah, I um, this is an interesting one because. Tibera has just found a way to beat everybody. Mm. And with Aspinall, like you said, with the knee, who knows if some of those tools are still there. Um, one thing I kind of lean towards for Aspinall is he's been able to finish people that have either have took Tibera the distance or gave them really tough fights. And that's all Tom Aspinall has done is just finish people who've got in front of him. And that's kind of what his MO has been. But Tibera, like I said, I mean, the guy just literally in the, since 2020 has found a way to just pretty much beat everybody that they've tossed out. Um, yeah. But I, I feel like the homecoming, the London, a year after, like there's a lot of things yeah. that are like the stars are lining up for Aspinall to have this big return moment and put his name into that title picture so i'm gonna ride with tommy aspinall and i'm gonna go with a second round sub yeah you know you look last week with holman and, and myra bueno silva and it's like we said exactly how myra was gonna win and then she dang went out and did it we said if she does it this is what she does <laughs> and then she goes and does it and it's like we're gonna have to start putting our nuts on the table here a little bit and just start picking some of these upsets um but this ain't the one for me um yeah i mean look we're i think the only reason we're getting this card is because of tom aspinall and it's his return this mm -hmm. is the tom aspinall show it could have been ufc fight night tom aspinall returns um there was only one way he was going to come back, and it was always going to be in London, <clears throat> in front of one of the best MMA crowds that we get every year as well. Mm -hmm. um, and as if going against Tom Aspinall isn't hard enough, he now has to deal, uh, Tibera has to deal with that UK crowd behind him as well. I do think uh, Tibera is seasoned and experienced enough to handle it well, um, and I think that's one of his biggest advantages going into this. You know, former M1 champion as well, so you know he's competed at a high level for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, now, how far that can take him in this fight, that's what remains to be seen. Uh, but I do think he's going to have to lean on it heavily uh, because he's facing, honestly, as you guys said, just probably one of the brightest UFC um, prospects that we have seen in years, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, and it, and it, like Brandon said, I just think Aspinall holds 
advantages everywhere. I mean, there's not one area of this fight where I don't see him being better. Obviously, like Brandon mentioned, the time and, and it is worth noting the time off is significant because this is the longest time off that Aspinall has ever had in his career. So you know, not only coming back from the injury, but he's never had this long of a layoff. Mm-hmm. Um, will he be explosive and move like a guy that, you know, moves like he's three weight classes smaller? I don't know. We shall see. But kind of like what Brandon said, I think even if he's lost 10 to 20% of what he was before, that's still enough to beat 90 to 95% of the guys in this division, <laughs> including Marcin Tabira. Uh, Tabira is durable, man. He hasn't been finished in eight fights. I think it was like 2019 was the last time he was finished. Gusto Sakai. Yep. Uh, so it may take Aspinall a couple more rounds to get him out of there, but I think he's coming in to make a statement. He's going to look to do it in the first round. What'd you say, John? I said second round sub. So I will take first round KO TKO for Tom Aspinall. Let's go get it done, boys. John, yeah. in our co-main event, who we are, well, not the co-main event, but co-feature. in our co-featured bout that yeah. we are picking for. Also on the card, we have a super fun matchup in the middleweight division as former light heavyweight contender Paul Craig makes a cut down to middleweight to face number 14, Andre Muniz. Craig has lost his last two fights at light heavyweight after going on a five-fight win streak, including being the only person to have a win over Jamal Hill. Um, with his high-level jiu-jitsu, he's always a threat, but it seemed to be getting pushed around a little bit more at 205. Looking to be the bigger fighter and impose his will on the smaller division, he will be facing jiu-jitsu ace Muniz, who has 15 of his 23 wins coming via sub. He's on, He was on a nine-fight win streak before losing his last fight to Brendan Allen, ironically by submission. Uh, both guys will want to get this fight to the ground, but aren't afraid to strike as well. Sometimes in these matchups, you can see the ground game get canceled out, so it very well could be a situation of who can separate themselves in the striking. Brandon, who you got? Yeah, this one's tough. This one I've kind of gone back and forth with a few times. Um, the Allen fight really stands out for me for Munez. I didn't expect him to get out grappled in that way. And I think that... Only- <laughs> <laughs> I completely accidentally hit that. I did not mean to hit that. I mean, but that is the clear. Right the I didn't the oh, Brandon just jumped out of his skin. <laughs> and my guess is people listening are probably jumped too. I did not. Yeah, that was a little loud too. I uh, just turned that. I thought I had that mute. I, what were you I, trying to push? Nothing, nothing. I was I was moving my mouth uh, to, to adjust something, and I accidentally my the side listen, of my finger hit it. So and God I, doesn't I, make mistakes, man. No, no. Apologize to people listening, but I am not sorry. It's like Brandon. the first time you did that head or that first time you did that <laughs> head shot. shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was. Amazing. Oh man, what that, was I saying? You're saying um, it's tough for you. I'm taking Paul Craig. Um, I, I think he <laughs> gets amazing. it done. Uh, I think if Allen can submit Nunez, I think Craig can submit him. You know, if Craig has a submission win over uh, Uncle Ive, I mean. You can submit anybody. So I take Craig here. I'm going to go with, mm, I think, second round submission. (laughs) I didn't know. Did you jump? Uh, I was reading. Okay, okay. I I don't feel like I – maybe my eyes would have did like one of those, like, what the heck was that? You guys ever took me – like, you'd probably have a heyday watching me at, like, a scary movie because, like, it's, like, the whole movie. I'm, like, jumping, spilling popcorn. (laughs) It's bad. I want to go to, like, a haunted house with you now. Oh man, um, this is a very interesting uh, fight, man. Um, I think Muniz has offers more on the stand up, mixing in his kicks, and he's getting a lot more open. Even in that Brendan Allen fight, he was opening up a little bit. He didn't quite fully seem like himself in that fight, but he was still opening up. Um, if you go back and watch like the Jacare fight and some of the other fights that Muniz has had, he's very, very obviously um, accomplished on the ground. But he's used wrestling a little bit better. 
um, especially like in the Jacare fight time, some really good takedowns. And I thought Craig used wrestlings a lot better in when you lock, watch like the Magomed fight and some of the other ones, but he's kind of got away from, or maybe he's just fighting better people who are more equipped to deal with those um, takedowns. What's, what makes it hard to pick against Craig is he just has this thing of holding people in his guard and just snatching them with his legs and ending up breaking something on them. Um, if you watch like the Nikita Krolov fight where he's not looking good, he just snatches a triangle. The Magomed fight where he's on his way to losing and he snatches, you know, gets to the, the submission, the arm bar. So it's hard to go against him, but I feel like Muniz has a, a better strike up or a better striking game. Um, and I think they, they're kind of a wash on the ground. So I'm going to lean toward Andre Muniz, and I'm going to say uh, by decision. He's also <clears throat> Craig uh, – Paul Craig is uh, Jamal Hill's only professional loss as well. Yeah. Dislocated his elbow. Yeah. yeah, this is an interesting spot for both guys, both coming off performances that they would probably agree weren't their best. But 28 submissions between them, 15 for Muniz, as John said, 13 for Craig. Um, not much between them there. I agree with John. I think the difference here may be in the striking, um, and I do give that advantage ever so slightly to Andre Muniz. Um, when guys make Paul Craig strike, it doesn't typically go well for him. Uh, plus, I think even if we see this play out on the ground, um, Muniz is a more capable wrestler here. Specifically, he has a really good snatch single, um, and I know Craig isn't afraid to pull guard, but in MMA, I think we've seen it's just always better to be on top right and that will be even more true here for Craig against a formidable opponent on the ground like Muniz you know catching a guy like him in an armbar and triangle ain't gonna be as easy right mm -hmm. um I am worried about the cut a bit for Paul Craig as well. This is, you know, his first fight at 205 pounds, and, or uh, 185 coming down from 205. Mm -hmm. And when you have done 23 fights at light heavyweight, and now this late in your career, you know, you're going to drop down of not just a division, but a division that's 20 pounds lighter. It does give me a bit of some pause. You know, I when it was announced, I'm like, hey, if he can figure it out, and I still believe that, it could be good. But having not seen it, it's hard to pick him here <laughs> against a guy like Muniz. Um, so you guys know I love Paul Craig. Super intense guy, hilarious mm -hmm. podcast. If you haven't listened to Paul Craig's podcast, go check it Best out. Best stare downs. Yeah, yeah, just a super intense. Uh, but I am going to go Muniz here, and I will say you unanimous decision. That's what I picked. Oh, did you? Mm -hmm. uh, so let's go, let's do then, boy, I'm trying to think, because if he rocks him, right, if, if I'm thinking. They've uh, both been subbed before. Yeah, ironically. I don't think it's, I don't see a sub, because I'm like, if he rocks him and he jumps on like a head and arm choke, right? I'll go TKO. Let's go Andre Muniz, second round, TKO. That's right. what I'm going to take. Anything else from this fight? Yeah, this card is filled with a lot of names. Meatball Molly McCann is looking to come back to winning and blow the roof off a building again. Uh, Nathaniel Wood looking to add to his two-fight win streak after his nasty injury what he got while training. He's facing Andre Philly, who's coming off of a win over Bill Algeo. Um, Jay, uh, Jai Herbert's on the main card as well. The main card's kicked off by undefeated Lerone Murphy, who's 12-0, and 0, and he's facing uh, Josh Kulabau, who's 11-1. Big uh, records there. On the undercard, our boy Wavy Davies on there, fighting an undefeated Daniel Marcos. Mark Dekatze's facing uh, Joel Alvarez. And then even toward the bottom of the prelims, number four, Ketlin Vieta's fighting on the card. So super, super stacked. Let's get into the news. Going on the news. Mm. Going on the news. Mm -mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. Like we mentioned last week, there was a rumor of a huge fight to be announced, and now we have it. Francis Ngannou will be facing heavyweight champion Tyson Fury October 28th in Saudi Arabia. There's been some rumors that some investors in Saudi Arabia were looking to book all the who's who's of uh, heavyweight boxing, but in this fight, they're getting the best of both worlds of MMA and boxing. The fight will take place in a regulation boxing ring with standard professional rules with three judges ringside. They'll be using
using the 10-point system. Um, there's been some reports that the fight will be sanctioned and counting against both fighters' professional boxing record, but others have reported it as possibly being an exhibition. Uh, per the WBC, Fury was granted this opportunity because he doesn't have a current mandatory opponent. Um, after talks fell through with Usyk, Joshua, and even Ruiz, but it has been stated that the fight will not be for Fury's WBC title. Dude, I, I'll be honest. So, <clears throat> you know, I think we kind of talked enough about it last week in terms of, you know, the fight itself, which good for Francis. I think I saw eight figures. Is yeah. What he's gonna Some people try to this. say eight million and then it was corrected to eight figures, which would be 10 million or more. If we get this fight, love it, I hope. But I am sitting here saying today, I would not be shocked if this fight doesn't happen. Mm. I just think it's so weird that there's so many of these like stipulations, like they, the contract, if the contracts are signed, right. Mm -hmm. Then why do we not know why are like the stipulations and what's on the line and what's allowed and what's not allowed? Like, why is that so up in the air mm -hmm. and nobody can confirm this if contracts are signed and it's official, like there right. should, there has there not been like a press release? Like, you know, I, I just, what don't we know? Like stuff like what he said, like in terms of like, um, now, I've seen some articles say that it was going to be sanctioned and against the right. Like, it's going to be a professional a professional fight, not an exhibition. Well, at first there was even talks that, like, they weren't really going to go 100%. And then they were like, no, they can definitely knock each other out. Right. Like, it's just weird. Yeah, I'd heard, I'd heard rumors of it kind of like the Floyd stuff where there's no knockdowns and it's da-da-da-da. Yeah. But then they both came out and said, no, we're going to meet in the middle and try to knock each other out. And, so And maybe this is normal in boxing, you know, mm -hmm. this, this kind of, like, what gets put out and what's not but like yeah like the rules and stuff haven't been super clear and mm -hmm. i mean i don't need to know the money but like yeah i just i don't know it just seems just seems weird to me well but it's it. also a very you know rare situation yeah outside of connor and floyd this has never been but even that i don't know we got like a full world tour of that and like there was i mean it was there was just i think that's what i'm yeah. going off of well like, i think also it's just a different type of promoter floyd yeah. It, you know the Floyd's promotion is a different level. Yeah. This is just you know a group of people in Saudi Arabia. Who, I hope you know, we get it, man. Oh, it's yeah, gonna be too. it's gonna be interesting. Um, Jamal Hill made an announcement on his YouTube. Uh, unfortunately, he stated that he had ruptured his Achilles tendon and will be sidelined for an extended period of time recovering. Uh, he also said that he will only since he only received his shot at gold from the champion relinquishing his title because of his injury, that he will do the same and relinquish his belt while he recovers. Hill was looking to fight Yuri Prohoshka, who is the previous mentioned champ who vacated his title as well after his shoulder injury. Yeah, this is going to be interesting, man. Uh, vacant, the light heavyweight title is vacant right now. Um, to me, what makes the most sense is doing Jan Blachowicz and Alex Pereira for the light heavyweight title or the vacant light heavyweight title. Um, and then, you know, obviously, Yuri, hopefully we see him by the end of the year, and then he gets his shot. Um, but I also think it's really interesting because if Alex Pereira can beat Jan Blachowicz and Yuri Prohashka, I mean, I've said it before a couple episodes ago, but, like, him and Izzy for the trilogy, the mixed martial arts trilogy, for the light heavyweight title just adds a whole new wrinkle mm -hmm. and aspect to that fight um, that would just be fascinating. It would make that the one of the biggest trilogy fights I think that we've ever seen title right. trilogy fights. It would be huge. Um, but man, there is an aspect too, where you have to think Magomed Ankalaev. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that him and Blahovich ended in a draw, that's not his fault. I think he won that fight. It was a right. close fight. Um, but the result unfortunately is what it is, but he's, he has to factor in it as well. You know, and then, you know, Jamal Hill probably, you know, you might be looking next year, but he's going to have to have a shot at it, too, when he comes back. So right. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think there's just a lot of different possibilities. here. I, I'm with you. I, I don't know. I mean, I like I, I think that like at the forefront, it makes sense to do Alex and Yawn. I think that that's kind of like 
I don't know what else you do currently. And like you can going do it for, now. Like, yeah. Like that, next that's, week. That's what, that's what I mean. Yeah. At least that way we can at least have an idea of, okay, who's going to have the title yeah. once these other guys get healthy and can come yeah. back. And then once we get a good time frame as to like what that looks like for, for Jamal and for Yuri, then that makes some more sense as to where we go. And I haven't heard anything about um, uncle live. Like, what do we know about where he's at? Yeah. I've, he was mad that he didn't get the title shot. So he was like looking to get released at first when obviously he was in his feelings from how the draw went and obviously give him the title elsewhere, but he hasn't, uh, they haven't really connected him with anybody yet as far as I know. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know what you do with him or what he's wanting. Um, but to me, I mean, it makes more sense to do yawn and, uh, Alex for the title. And then uncle live is to me deserving but i just haven't heard anything about him or yeah. what he's doing so yeah yeah it's interesting you could also make have uh because depending on how pajeda and yon go and if they're even if they're both okay with going five rounds you know who knows what that looks like for them as far as preparing on a short notice for it but they could also just have them fighting yuri later in the year for the vacant title instead of making this one a last minute title shot depending on if they're ready for that oh i think both of them say yes yeah i mean the five round aspect like they haven't been training for five rounds but you know, we talked about it last week. I feel like nowadays every fighter is coming in mm-hmm. and, you know, they're doing like 10 rounds in training. Like right. they're just ready. What, wasn't that the case for Jamal when he fought Glover? Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, yeah it, was they, imp- it wasn't they, supposed to be. And then they just said, we're going to do five. Mm-hmm. Well, because Geary relinquished. Yeah. 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 And, but you also, you know, kind of how you'd mentioned, you leave this weird thing where, you know, Geary was going to get promised a chance to get his title back. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to have to give Jamal kind of that same thing because he yeah. did the same thing. You just don't, you don't ever really see people relinquish their titles like this. Well, and Jan, I mean, yeah, look, Jan, former life heavyweight champion you can never really argue him getting a shot i mean even though you could argue he's coming off the magomed draw so why can't magomed you know you mm-hmm. could rematch them right but then you can't take that that fight away from alex Pedeta either right um so it does put them in a bit of a tough situation and then for Pedeta, you know i you could argue like oh he's never fought at light heavyweight but the thing is he is he is a former middleweight champion so mm-hmm. he's the only one to be izzy at yeah so it's like it's not like he's not deserving of it either again like i said you could do it in two weeks it could be your co-main event Event, you know you'd have the bf bmf title in the main event still mm-hmm. uh this would be your co-main and it would just make ufc 291 bigger even bigger and it, but what also gets interesting is if Peta does if they do this and Peta gets the belt if they want to risk him losing to yuri to miss out on the izzy trilogy fight i, I mean it is i think at that point it is what it is you yeah. can't i mean because yuri has to get his shot you know but him and yuri is so fun oh like, dude the of idea fight. of that i mean come on man that's the thing like i'm kind of leaning yon against Alex. Um, but man, the idea of Pedeta and Yuri just, it, that excites me mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> I mean, it really does. And like I said, I think we need to see the light heavyweight title. There's been so much inconsistency in it that we need to see it defended. You know, that fight with Jamal and Glover was in January mm-hmm. and nothing's happened. You know, here we are, um, you know, eight months going into eight months later. Um, and we still haven't seen it defended for fought for. So here you have a fight in two weeks that you can put on the line. It just makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. So to give you kind of like to, to give people a perspective of just the lightweight, the light heavyweight division in, yeah. in itself, I have a little thing given the history of the title. Um, surrounded by weird circumstances and a bunch of vacating. So just to jump into it, in 97, the inaugural champion was Frank Shamrock. He defended it a handful of times, then retired, so the belt was vacant. 
TDRTs won it, and because of inactivity, they did an interim, which Randy Couture won, and then he beat Tito. The title changed hand nine times between 2003 and 2011, finally uh, ending with John Jones. He holds the title for four years, defends it eight times, then gets stripped for the title after the arrest, leaving it vacant. Daniel Cormier then wins the vacant title. John Jones returns from suspension, beats OSP to get the interim setting up the rematch with DC for the undisputed. But then before that fight, John Jones gets stripped of the interim, failed the drug test. DC defends three times, then finally meets Jones again, gets knocked out. But Jones fails another drug test, gets stripped again. Um, the fight gets turned to no contest. The belt's awarded to DC. DC then wins the heavyweight title and vacates the light heavyweight title. John Jones beats Gustafsson for the vacant title, defends the belt three times before he vacates the title to go to the heavyweight division. Then uh, there's three different champs following in the next two years, ending with Prohoshka getting the belt after beating Glover. Unfortunately, he gets injured, vacates the title. Instead of holding up division, Blahovich and Magomed fight for the vacant title. That goes to a draw. The UFC awards that fight to Jamal Hill and Glover. Jamal Hill wins that belt, which brings us to now, where Jamal Hill gets injured, vacates the title, and leaving it to change hands for the 19th time. Yeah, probably the most vacated in yeah. title of all time wow. in UFC. Yeah, that title has had some... And that's what I'm saying. Like, so why don't don't hold it up? You yeah. know, I mean, it sucks for Magomed, but, you know, to try to wait for, like, oh, well, let's wait for November and, and see who wins, you know, because they could, in theory, like... Not make, which it is interesting because I said I thought last night if they were going to make mm-hmm. that a light, if they were going to make that a title fight, you do it last night. They could be saving. They it. like to do it Mondays too. Sometimes it could come out by the time this comes out. Yeah, and and maybe they're saving it for the London card because they think it's just going to be bigger viewership. Mm-hmm. I thought we would have got an announcement last night that they, that that was being elevated. Um, I mean, you could have them fight for the number one contender. Winner faces Yuri at the end of the year, whatever. But mm-hmm. just put the title on the line, man. Just get <laughs> right. this title on somebody, right? So, well, yeah. and and there might be a discrepancy with pay too, because when you're talking about a title fight, yeah, that could change some of that. But for fun, I do want to see if either of you can name the men division that the title has changed the most and the least. Light heavyweight is the in- second include, most, including like vacants and stripping and yeah all, that. all the men's and all all the men's division which division has had the most um how many times has the title changed hands the most and then the least uh i would say most is heavyweight correcto and i would say least geez might 45 uh, no i well that is they are, they are, like they are newer years. yeah they are newer so you might be right with 45 i was gonna say um maybe like welterweight but it is GSP. 45. Yeah, 45. Uh, heavyweight changed 23 times. Yeah, heavyweights. Yeah. Featherweights only changed five times. Yeah. Aldo had it, McGregor, Aldo, Max, and then now Volk. Yeah. yeah. So that's just kind of something you don't even really think about. Um, yeah. Kevin Lee announced on his retirement via social media after his devastating loss in his UFC return, saying he's been fighting for 12 years, and when he looks back at it, he thinks he had a hell of a career. We obviously talked about if he was going to get cut or how that was going to work out, so obviously this one last little taste was enough for him. Yeah. Um, big fight in the flyweight division announced as Tim Elliott will be facing rising prospect Muhammad Mukhaev at UFC <laughs> 294. Really interested to see Mukhaev after that knee bar. Yeah, the fact that he's ready to go. I don't, I don't know when 294 is. I think that's the end of the year card i don't know those knee um, bars they are career changers speaking of that friday on one fc gary tony made his return to mma in gruesome fashion Ugh. as he gave shamil gaz 
Gazanov, his first professional loss via knee bar, um, putting Tonin's record at eight and one and possibly earning him a shot at the featherweight title. Yeah, one of the nastiest verbal taps I've ever heard Ugh. ever. I think I think Ton Lee's facing uh, the champion. I can't remember his name. And then I think they're saying Tonin will get winner mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, that was disgusting, man. What a knee bar. He uh, just stayed. In, he just stayed in it. Yeah, that's what I told you guys. I don't know what it is about MMA fighters, man. They just chill in those knee bars, and it's just like, oh, I mean. Changing careers, like I said. Yeah, I, I'm really interested to see Mokhayev after that knee bar. Yeah, I really am. And on Gary Tonin's side, there's definitely some things he needs to keep brushing up on. But the fact that at any moment he can just yeah. snatch you up and break something, it's a uh, it's good for him. Yeah. PFL made an announcement that they will be hiring Usada to run their anti doping program after all these fighters failing drug tests. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much a no brainer. And uh, lastly, just some cool news in boxing. Ahmad Hamad, the son of Prince Nassim Hamad, will be making his professional debut on the undercard of August huge heavyweight title fight between Alexander Usyk and Daniel Dubois. All righty, Brandon, song of the week. Uh, we're going to go with Fat Lit by Sum 41. Oh, I like a little Sum 41. You're a big Sum 41 guy? I was. I used yeah. to love Sum 41. Back when you were skateboarding? Yeah. <laughs> you, have a, you had a lip ring, right? No. Oh, earring. Sorry. What is your one for the people, Brandon? One for the people. Uh, just kind of random. I found an app over the weekend that I'm low-key obsessed with called Duolingo. Okay. Where you can learn a new language. It teaches oh, nice. you like through like little games and like activities and things. So currently learning Spanish and Japanese. Let's, know, let's hear something. We want like my Japanese words. Yeah. So I know green tea is ocha, rice is gohan, think or uh, please is karisa, and uh, water is muzi, and sushi is sushi. Yeah. So I, I knew that one. Yeah, yeah, so that's where I'm at with Japanese. Sprechensee Deutsch, mother. Eloquent. Did you know that we both took Spanish? I don't believe you. We did in middle yeah. school. Let's hear it. Uh, hola. That's Hawaiian. Feliz cumpleaños. <laughs> what? No, you're not kidding. <laughs> he is not kidding. Hola, hola, no, no, no. Uh, Como te amos? Brandon, you too. Uh, me amo Nathan. Mm, bien. Yep, bien, bien. Mm. Feliz cumpleaños. Uh, como se dice Europe? Never mind. John, what you got for us? What you want for the people? Uh, man, I don't have much, man. Got to spend some some family time um, this weekend. That was nice. Got to spend some time with my dad. Don't get to see him very often, so encourage people to do that. <laughs> you say that way too much. Give us something else. Listen, because people on. don't. People don't see their parents. Yes, they do. No, they don't. <sighs> You're that's sad. Your life is sad in your head if you think people don't see their they parents. They don't. Who? A lot of people. Who? Most of the people. <laughs> no, they don't. I don't ever. I don't ever hear you guys shout out your dad. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's not the same thing. It's spending time. With I Maybe that's because we spend time. time with. I'm yeah. just saying to have a great time. You don't. I just saw my dad it. yesterday. You just, yeah, you just said you don't spend time with your dad, so you shout him out. I don't get to. It's right. not because I want right, to. Right, right, right. But I'm saying so. That's fine. You like to shout him out, but I, I do. Right. Right. So you I don't, don't ever shout him out, though. That's what I'm saying. I don't need to. I, I shout him out in person. Mm, I don't know, but the people Are don't you, know. You're like the, that's like the guy who has to like take pictures of everything just to prove that like he's doing the yeah. thing that instead of like being in the yeah. moment. No, I just it, like to give my dad some appreciation. I just want to know who like you know out here that's just not spending time with their parents. A lot of people. Because you say that a lot. I work with most of them. <laughs> that's really sad. They all have father issues when I hear about <laughs> it's it. It's really sad, man. It's really taking is. a turn. Yeah, this has <laughs> taken a dark turn, John. You might need to talk to somebody. Brandon's a professional, dude. Uh, my one for the people, my interview, uh, with Bellator's very own AJ McKee should be up right now as you are listening to this. Uh, so head over to the MMA underground YouTube channel or mixedmartialarts.com and check that out. Uh, also shout out. We don't do a lot of these anymore. Um, but shout out to our boy Q10, mm-hmm. uh, who is one of our, you know, 
best best friends. He was on the Bachelor Party episode. His younger brother Aaron Williams winning his amateur mixed martial arts debut uh, last night at MFL. Um, <clears throat> Aaron is a part of the Bulldog Fight team under Todd Brown in Mishawaka up there in Indiana. So mm. uh, big that. And, and the funny thing is, and like the only reason I'm doing this uh, is because. <laughs> Before me and John had, like, even trained jiu-jitsu, I mean, we were always MMA fans. That's what mm-hmm. started it. But before we had this podcast, before we even got into before we did anything, we've been, like, begging Q, like, get your brother to do, like, this kid is just an athletic freak. And you see him in the cage, and it's, like, everything that I thought we, th- we thought it was going to be. Right. And we're talking, like, this is, like, a decade ago we've started, like, mm-hmm. get Aaron to do this, man. Get yeah. him to do <laughs> Like, this is, the, the kid goes to the Navy, right, and just decides to play, like, semi-professional rugby or something like mm-hmm. that so he's a football like could have been like crazy probably d1 football player playing rugby for the navy or in the navy and now he's just like killing it is he six, pretty big he's like big, a big kid. Dude. he's built like he's, john jones we'll show you the video after this he's a big dude um so not surprised to see the early first round tko finish there yeah uh, so shout out to him also john will get this Ilya toporia Mm. I can say it. Well, you can talk about him now then. Yeah, seriously. So I we posted our clip. And here's the thing. Like, I am a stickler for names. I get on you guys about mm-hmm. it because it is a part of this. Like, we should, just like, you know, Hafez, like, we should be saying guys' names right. That's mm-hmm. a part of it. So the clip we posted last week, I butchered Ilya's name. I think I said Tapiria or something like that. But, dude, like, in the heat, first off, there's over, I was telling John this, there's like 700 fighters on the, the UFC roster alone. Most of them aren't American. Right. And, and like, we have to talk about it. I think I said, we literally said, like, 30 names this episode alone. <laughs> right. And Some, when you're, somebody giving you grief for it? In the comments. Oh, I got uh. butchered for, like, saying <laughs> Tapiria. Fire, fire How does it enough. feel when you're like lighting us up, dude? Right? Here's the thing: I noticed it when I was editing the clip. I was like, "Oh, I butchered that name." Yeah. So, but but I so usually when I do that, I'll go find because I usually say it right. And I'm like, "You can go listen." I say Toporia every time, or or I'll say Toporia, but like I say it right. It's just mm-hmm. that one time. But the rest of the episode, I only said Elia, so there was there was nothing for me to go mm-hmm. to. So I just thought I'd say that. Yeah. I know how to say Toporia. So I'm glad. Yeah, no, it's not Toporia. Any, anybody listening, just be glad that he he does know. John, I, okay. I never I never doubted. I, yeah, I've always known. Yeah, seriously, I'm I'm really sad for you, John. Jeez. I'm actually doing <laughs> great. That's why I said it. I was happy about I'm, it. I'm I'm curious who's in John's life. That's what I want to know. Go to Chrysler. You'll find him everywhere. <laughs> Make sure you come back next Monday. We will get you guys. Re- oh, we'll recap the London card. We're not going to set you up for UFC 291 because that's what the kickback is for, baby. <laughs> We're two weeks away, but come back and we will recap UFC London and we'll play a game. How about that? Yeah, that could be fun. We'll do that. We'll see you then. Peace. Bye.